So we're going to read John, Gospel John chapter 1. Um, and this is a very esoteric passage. And I, I just want to say that I, I, it's so often, because it is complicated, and I don't like to say it, but it's, it's so watered down sometimes. And, and what I'm trying to do is be comprehensible today. I really am committed to try for you to try to understand me today, uh, although I'm not sure I'll accomplish that. <laughs> we talked about this in Bible study this week. I'm not sure how quite to, comp- to communicate this and do it justice. But this may be some of the most important 18 verses um, in the entire Bible, and it really shapes uh, the essence of, of our faith, our monotheism. So listen to the Word of God that comes to us from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist he's referring to. He came as a witness to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or the will of humans, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son himself who is close to the Father's heart. Literally, he's in the Father's bosom, is what the Greek says there, who has made him known. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds that through your word proclaimed, we may encounter you, the living word. Amen. All right, I want to tell you a scientific story. Uh, one could even call it a quantum physics myth, okay? Now, it's a myth based on the best we know, okay? But still, no one was there. So this is a, this is a, this is a current scientific myth about the origins of the cosmos. <clears throat> Around 13.8 billion years ago, the universe expanded faster than the speed of light for a fraction of a second. And that period was called cosmic inflation. Scientists aren't sure what came before inflation or what powered it. When the cosmic inflation stopped, the energy driving it transferred to matter and light, the Big Bang. 
And about a second after the Big Bang, the universe was extremely hot. And it was a primordial, primordial soap of particles and light. And a few minutes after that, protons and neutrons collided. It took about 380,000 years after the Big Bang for atoms to be formed. Now, the Earth does not show up for another nine plus billion years. So that's <clears throat> the scientific myth, if you would, of the origin of the cosmos. It's kind of beyond our comprehension. It really is kind of a mystery. I think even for scientific people, it's, it's quite a mystery. And, and the bigness of the universe, whether we're talking about time or space, is, is something that I particularly remember as a kid because the space program was going on. And I was so captured by that. And Neil Armstrong, um, the first man to walk on the moon, said this. It suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the Earth. I put up my thumb and shut one eye, and my thumb blotted out the planet Earth. I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. And my Collins, who circles the moon, while Armstrong and Aldrin walked on the moon, says this. Oddly enough, the overriding sensation I get looking at the Earth was, my God, that little thing is so fragile out there. You know, the immensity, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, of the cosmos and the other smallness of our individual naked existence is humbling, at the very least, overwhelming, very sobering. And for some, it's a point of despair, particularly if we are alone in the cosmos. And, you know, I also, uh, and I'm agnostic whether or not there's intelligent life out there. I'm not so sure there's intelligent life here, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily give me comfort because I'm not so sure it's going to be a friendly ET out there. Okay. All right. And uh, C.S. Lewis actually thought the reason there are great distances, he thought there probably was life on other planets. And he thought the reason God allowed there to be great distances in the cosmos, because God wanted to keep the rest of the existence away from us. <laughs> so we wouldn't be a bad influence on them, <laughs> which is something to think about. It's funny. But, <clears throat> and again, it's, there's, no, there's no incompatibility with the scientific story that I have told you, or John's version of the creation story from Genesis 1. If God is the author of all of this, then we as Christians believe the same God who created the cosmos loved us enough to join us in our carbon-based organic compound of life. If that's true, if that's what, that's what we believe, if that's true, then the equation of God's love is something like infinity squared, right? We stop and think about that. John is in 
um, John is really in many ways, and uh, it will be kind of postmodern literary here with you. It's an intertextual book. In other words, John is in dialogue with other things. He's certainly in dialogue with the Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures. The Septuagint, which is what that is, is everywhere. Bible is everywhere in John's gospel. It's the very, um, it's, it's the very organic material in which John's gospel breathe. He doesn't quote it. It's just there everywhere. And some scholars think, and I actually am beginning to be convinced by this, that John's also read the other Gospels. So he's adding a different perspective there as well. So he's talking to Matthew and Luke. Matter of fact, John 1 is kind of a conversation with Luke and Matthew about what they had to say. And so to try to put your mind around what he's actually saying here in John 1, because the language is very loaded. It's loaded for first century Greek-speaking Jews. Matter of fact, it's loaded for Greek-thinking people of the first century. But he's saying this. In the beginning was an idea that God had. That plan, okay, the word is logos there. The word that is translated word is logos. Our word logic comes from it. Um, logarithms come from it. All right, the idea of the structure of thought. So in the beginning was an idea that God had. And this plan was with God. And the architectural design of existence was God or divine. And love was his very essence. And from this love came light and life. You might be hard-pressed to find 300-plus words. That's what's John 1 through 18. More revolutionary in the history of ideas and religion than in today's text. This idea of word, which is the Greek word logos, first of all, for the Jewish readers of John, and the gospel writer was most assuredly Jewish, Logos could stand for Torah or scripture. It could also mean just the idea of revelation in general. It also is a very important term in Stoic philosophy, okay? which was the ethical framework of most of the pagan world in the first century. And a lot of Stoic ethics shows up in the New Testament as well. And this term of logos <clears throat> is such an extraordinary symbol. It's so complex, it's so inclusive. I mean, in many ways, it is both thought and deed. It's remembering and it's hoping. It's ethical, it's liturgical. It's about who we are, it's about who God is. Dr. David Ford is Professor Emeritus at Cambridge, and he's written a beautiful commentary on the, on the Gospel of John. And he sees these first verses of the Gospel of John spelling out something that's very important for you and I. It kind of sets up not only the entire book, but sets up the entire Christian life. And one of his themes is this intimacy with God. God and the Son, God and the Logos are so close together the word becomes flesh. Creator becomes creature. 
God became a baby that was held so that God could hold us. God became a baby that was held so God could hold us. And it's also this drama of of darkness and creation. You know, it's interesting that, and again, I'm, I'm using myth not as it's not true, but, you know, mythical language helps us talk about things that are bigger than us. And it's interesting, the scientific myth of how the cosmos came into existence, the idea of light and energy is present also in the Genesis 1, or Genesis 1, and also in John 1. And John is consciously thinking about Genesis 1. And the amazing thing is that in this dark world that we live in, and darkness symbolizes ignorance, and from that ignorance comes evil and hate and fear. I mean, we are so surrounded by darkness at the beginning of this year. True facts are treated as lies. Humans and children are collateral damage. Sixth graders shot in Iowa, and we're told we just need to get over it. But darkness did not overcome the light of Jesus. You could say darkness crushed Jesus, literally. And we're told the world did not know who he was, even though the world was made by him. His own people did not recognize him, even though he came to them. And what's really powerful here is nobody seemed to know what was going on. But we're told that all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become the children of God. Today's baptism, right, reminds us that, first of all, um, Alex said yes to the gift, okay? But it was God who brought her. It was God just who drew her. It was all God's doing. And we say yes to the gift. And this idea that God came into the darkness of this world and took it all upon himself. I told the kids this story at the Christmas party. Um, when my oldest was, um, by the way, we had a great time being around babies, right? And when you see them holding their babies, you remember right when they were babies. At least that's how it works for me. And our oldest fell or rolled off a table when he was only four months old. And he ended up breaking his collarbone. Okay. Uh, and I can still remember a little, a little expression on his face when we were at the hospital. And they were taking him away to get his x-ray. And he's looking at me so sad. And I, and I remember, I would do anything I could do to take his place. I would give anything I could to take his place. Or to be able to say, it's okay to talk to him, to comfort him. But he was a baby, right? But that's what the word becoming flesh is about. God becoming human is God can do what I could not do. From his fullness, 
we have received grace upon grace. The sentence itself is so full, right? Grace upon grace. I'm not even sure what that is, but it sounds really good. And then this idea of, you know, we get back to how big the, the universe is, how big the cosmos is, and we should feel small. We should feel insignificant. Okay. I mean, you've probably all seen those charts about how much time the human race takes up on, <laughs> on the line of existence. Not very much, right? Yet, the incarnation means matter matters. It means you matter. No one has ever seen God. It's the only Son himself, God who is close to the Father's bosom, who's in the heart of God, who has made him known. How do we cross the distance between ourselves and God? How do we scan the cosmos? Well, we can't. But God does. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's hard to know God. Faith is hard, right? I always say the only thing harder than faith is not having it. Right? Okay. There have been multiple times I've tried to sustain unbelief and I haven't been, I've never been able to do it. I can't pull it off intellectually, and I, thanks be to God, I can't pull it off spiritually. But I've tried, because faith is hard, right? It is hard. But part of this story is God reaching out to us from the invisibility of God, that we can see the face of God in Jesus. And we don't just see the face of God in Jesus in the stories, but we see the face of God in our brothers and sisters. We see the face of God in Jesus in whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is gracious. And as Mother Teresa observed, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy. I must wash him and tend him. I serve because I love Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. All right, so our offertory, you get to be the offertory as well today, all right? You can remain sitting, all right, and we'll sing in the bleak middle
In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place suffice. The Lord God Almighty. and archangels may have gathered there cherubim and seraphim from the air but his mother only in her maiden bliss worshipped a beloved with a kiss for becoming one of us and for bringing us to you. May these offerings be brought to you as our, our signs and symbols of our lives given back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's put it fun. Maybe see.
So ours is an open communion by that, regardless of what church or denomination you belong to. Profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to come to his table. It does not belong to us. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you and join our voices with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, who forever sing the sin to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. When we have fallen to sin and been subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice. For the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and he gave him thanks to you. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption of the Father and the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension. We offer these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your sins into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by Him and with Him and in Him and in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, both now and forever. Amen. And together we pray the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Provide us the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Body of Christ, that should come forward.
this season of prayer and prayer requests that we should share with each other. We've already mentioned uh, the Navy Underwood Survey, so we pray for him and for the family. Other prayer requests. Who is it that lies when you think about him and you pray for being here and being on him? It's a comfort for me and kids and all those, this whole family. Pray for speed recovery. And when we think about those suffering today throughout the world, victims of earthquakes, in Japan, refugees in camps and on borders, people in war zones in Israel, Gaza, Lebanon, Ukraine. People that are undergoing treatments, people who are alone today, people who would want to be here but couldn't make it. I pray for folks who are struggling with diseases of the mind as well as the body, people struggling with addictions. We pray for our country um, in this time of division. We do pray that our better angels will prevail. Help us to be voices of truth, voices of peace. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you for our brothers and sisters and family gathered. We thank you for Alex and her public profession and her faith. We ask that you keep her in your faith and sustain all of us anew by the gifts of your grace. Pray for our brothers and sisters who are worshiping you in other places throughout the world, throughout this community. And ask that you would prosper those fellowships. Help us all together to be a witness to your love, your care, your truth. Now, Lord, in the silence, hear the prayers and pray for those we love, the burdens of our heart. Lord, hear our prayers that we pray for ourselves. Even if we don't know what to pray, we know our hearts. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just stand for our final minutes.
And so uh, we're going to sing it. Uh, oh, so we're going to do verse 1 and verse uh, 3. It is a celebration of the Sunday Epiphany, Sunday of the Incarnation. Yes. Okay. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the world began to be, Christ is My sister-in-law is 20. 
so it's, it's okay. Yeah, I did two installs that normally Mark would have done this week of freezing cold. But they were very simple things. Yeah, just, you know, basically putting in some ice creams and whatever. You know, so it wasn't <laughs> exactly. And you know, Richard, Richard's a good work, woodworker, except he now has one eye because he lost an eye with uh, a firework yeah. like a couple of years ago. So he's he's down to one eye. It's like the blind yeah, isn't a blind. Two of you, three eyes of the four uh, that could be. Yes. I mean, I'm sure I'll be fine, but just you know, there's some case, in case I fall and I can't get up, I need to have someone I call. I doubt if I'd be at that stage. Well, I'm, I'm actually out of town next Sunday, but... Where are you um, going? I'm flying mom home. 
So we're driving. I'm driving down on Friday, and then with my brother in New York.